Thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing child with a limp. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. Any and all guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Hello, welcome back to Take Orally. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be tackling the, uh, the child uh, with a limp. Uh, I'm delighted that our favourite paediatrician has come back to us. Only paediatrician? Uh, potentially the only one, but you're still our favourite one. Hello Colin, how are you? Very well, yourself? Very good. And uh, since you last recorded with us, there's been three momentous events in your life. Um, You have become a father. Congratulations. Thank you very much. You you were an imminent father the last time you recorded. You are now a father. Well done. Thank Uh, you. I mean, I didn't do it. Um, my you, wife did most of the work. Well, you had a role, and, and you know, congratulations. And, you know, well done on the on the uh, contributing to evolution, etc. Um, you are now a consultant as well. You are Correct. here, you, you know, having introduced yourself as a consultant on a previous podcast when you were a reg. You are now finally a consultant, so I can say you are a consultant. Well done. Thank you. Uh, and even more momentously, you finally joined Twitter. Well, yeah, that's true. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, at Peds Ed Con, uh, and as we we're already discussing, you you joined last year. You've tweeted once. I'm really, and you haven't even put up a new photo. So. Yeah, I've really taken to it, Jamie. As you can see. <laughs> Really getting my name out uh, there. I should be honoured that you know the, the tweet you have done is a retweet of something that I put up. But yeah, anyway, um, I'm still offended you didn't choose at Gingangil Huli. But um, I thought people might have difficulty spelling it, Jamie. Yeah, that's a good point. I really can't say it either. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, thank, thank you for coming. Um, child with a limb, Sufi or not Sufi? That is the question. Oh, very good. See what I did very there. Very good. Brilliant. Uh, I've got in front of us the nice. Uh, clinical knowledge summary as well. Um, we'll kind of be using that as our basis. Uh, but this is important, isn't it, a child with a limp? The, it is, there are genuine. red flags, we have to take it seriously. It's a bit more different from, from an older person maybe developing a limp. This, this is something we take seriously. We do, uh, and it's important to know uh, the different age groups, the different causes, and to understand what the worrying diagnoses are and how we can exclude them. Awesome. So straight away here in front it says who to refer to urgent assessments. That's going to be people coming into A&E. So this is any child less than three. Yeah. Um, Anyone who's older than nine uh, with painful or restricted hip movements. Yeah. Who's unable to wait there. Mm -hmm. uh, Has a fever um, and or red flags suggesting pathology such as waking at night, fatigue, anorexia weight loss, night sweats, in severe pain, agitated, or has some sort of neurovascular compromise, obviously, Uh, and if um, maltreatment is is suspected as well. Um, Okay, so shall we just sort of go through these then, keeping these in mind then. You've got your, in A&E, you've just clicked on your next patient, and they say that they've got, they're coming with a, a limp. What's going through your mind as a paediatric consultant? I think the first thing, Jamie, is to consider the age of the child. Cool. Um, because that completely changes your potential list of differentials. Uh, and from there, uh, taking a good history and um, 
following that with a targeted examination allows you to narrow down those listed differentials, hopefully exclude uh, the more worrying conditions and then arrange any appropriate investigations as they might be. So generally, uh, as you can see, the way it's set up uh, in the guidelines is that if you're less than three and then kind of from four till nine and then nine and over, um, you split them into those three main groups, mainly because the potential differential diagnoses are different within all those groups. Cool. So if we've got um, a child who's under three then, so what sort of never miss things are we thinking about? Yeah, so I think uh, the never miss things uh, there would be um, a, a non-accidental injury, mm -hmm. a potential fracture to, to the lower tibia, a toddler's fracture, which is common in this age group. Um, and then you need to consider potential other courses depending on information, things like haemophilia or even something like HSP might present with a limp as the first presentation, although it's not the most common way for it to present. Sure. And there are obviously non-worrying diagnoses in there as well, Jamie, which are probably more common, things like transient synovitis, mm -hmm. uh, even perhaps an undiagnosed uh, DDH, which is developmental dysplasia of the hip, something normally picked up in the newborn period, but if missed, can gradually then present uh, with the limping child. Okay, um, so what's a toddler's fracture? You so that. yeah, so a toddler's fracture uh, is normally a fracture of the distal tibia. It occurs usually following a fall, so there's normally a history of trauma. So the child's been running, walking, jogging, falls, and as they fall, they twist, and as they twist, their entire body weight twists through their tibia, and that causes a tremendous amount of stress on the tibia. The bones are soft with a thick periosteum, so the uh, cortex cracks but the periosteum stays intact so the bone essentially twists on itself causes a fracture uh, the bone returns to its normal place but with a fracture present and then the child is then afterwards limping or perhaps even non-weight bearing okay so there'd be a clear sort of trauma history though that yeah but may not have been witnessed or may have been witnessed. that's yeah. the key thing it's the unwitnessed the child children of this age have often started to become quite mobile and so can be running around and perhaps aren't watched all of the time even though they're being supervised uh, might not be seen to fall um, so it's, it can be a bit challenging from that sure point thing. of view um, especially in the weather like we've had today you know, recently everyone's outside and everyone's <laughs> running around the park um, cool so um, it says in the guidelines that children under three are vulnerable to septic arthritis. Mm. So what, what are you looking for there for, for septic arthritis? So I think uh, with regards to septic arthritis, the three things, you're, uh, four things you're looking for are uh, a fever, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, often above 38.5 degrees, okay? The child to be completely non-weight bearing, uh, the child to have significant tenderness within their joint and significant range of movement. The hips are a favourite place for, um, for septic arthritis, but it can be in any of the joints uh, in the lower limbs. And um, they might even be holding their hip in flexion uh, in order to help with the pain. Okay. And then the fourth thing would be uh, you then do some investigation. So you think about your, your full blood count and your ESR and CRP. Similar to adults. Correct. Okay, cool. Um, and um, so child mistreatment or maltreatment is obviously, we're, we're doing some podcasts about that future, but that's something Absolutely. to consider yeah, as well. And I think the younger the child, you know, the more you need to consider that. So certainly the under three age group who perhaps can't communicate to you what has happened, they're, they're at higher risk. Especially if non 
if they're not as ambulant as you might as you know yeah. think, does this actually fit the history but yeah. absolutely so any child under 12 months essentially likely to be non-ambulant or minimally ambulant mm. cool um, and then so you, you mentioned some other things there like um, haemophilia and mm. henoxyla purpura yeah, um, so that's a little bit more weird and wonderful. You may, get, you may get a history in the family of haemophilia, which might help us. So bleeding history and family bleeding history are really important there. Mm. And then HSP normally are associated symptoms that come or go with it, mainly the rash. And the rash is normally presents before the joint pain. Sure. Um, but not always. Um, and um, we also mentioned transient synovitis. Mm. I'm right in thinking that usually follows a viral infection, is that yeah, right? Yeah, so it's most commonly thought to follow a viral infection. Uh, difficulty in children is they often have viral infections and often have them all the time. Um, <laughs> you speaking yeah. from experience. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, I think that it's important to, yeah, it is often after that, so a good history will give it to you there. Uh, these children will often have a limp. They may be non-weight bearing, but they often respond to simple analgesia like paracetamol and ibuprofen to relieve some, if not all, of their symptoms. Sure. So is, is that more a diagnosis than exclusion then? Uh, well, I think it's the most common diagnosis and certainly here, uh, if there's no red flag symptoms uh, and um, you see the child and they do have some response, we would consider that to be the diagnosis because cool. uh, it's the most likely one without any red flags. You've ruled out all the worrying things then you can reassure parents mm. and give them some safety netting advice. Yeah. Come back in, in case of X, Y, Z. So we normally say, you know, keep an eye on them for the next 72 hours, regular analgesia. Cool. Things aren't improving or they worsen at any point. Come back. Cool. Anything else for our under three age group? Um, I mean, there are even more weird and wonderful <laughs> things. Um, but, you know, hopefully you pick some of them up in the history. So if the child's now limping or has an unsteady gait, um, just think about their developmental history make sure they haven't got any evidence of regressing or struggling in any other areas where you have to think sure. about developmental or neuromuscular conditions but they would be um, really would be quite rare so in muscular dystrophies where they're now pulling themselves up their leg Correct. and things like that and other Correct. things but yeah that's more obviously wonderful okay um, so that's our under three what's about our four to nine year old what, what's going through your mind so again these patients then Colin? again the most likely diagnosis Transient synovitis. <laughs> is this like the costochondritis of chest pain? Well, exactly. <laughs> it is exactly that. Okay. Uh, and again, then you have to think of other things. So, Perthes disease comes into this age group. Ah, okay. Yes. Okay. So, avascular necrosis of the femoral head. Mm. Okay. So. Um, and a favourite of exams. A favourite exam. Here's your X-ray. What's the diagnosis? Exactly. So yeah. you get that. A uh, uh, cap characteristic appearance over the femoral head of uh, necrosis um, and it's important not to miss because it's largely likely to be progressive uh, and it does need a follow-up with the orthopedic surgeons. Mm. And what causes it? Um, that's a very good question Jamie. Um, it's obviously due to the interruption of the blood supply there which causes problems uh, with laying down of good healthy bone. Some of that bone starts to disintegrate. We know in adults for instance when they have a fracture of the mm. neck of femur that there's a retrograde blood supply. Mm. So we know how precarious a blood supply to the femoral head is okay. and so it's probably related to that. But it doesn't necessarily follow trauma in, in, um, no. Um, no. in children. It does say idiopathic in the guidelines, so people don't know. There we go. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, anything else for the four to nine year old? 
Um, again, <coughs> some of the other diagnoses we've mentioned, kind of HSP and uh, anything that could cause joint swelling and joint inflammation. Cool. Um, septic arthritis is always there. It is one of the worrying diagnoses. Mm -hmm. And one thing I didn't mention in the younger group, that goes for both of these groups, is the, the symptoms of waking up at night and night sweats or mm. having ongoing pain would lead you to oncological diagnoses. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, again, rare, but needs to be considered. So you think maybe um, sickle cell as well could be a possibility? Yeah, absolutely. Say. So hopefully a good history there, uh, a, f a good family history uh, would help you to, to reach that potential diagnosis. Cool. Um, and then so we're, we're moving on a little bit now to our nine and above year old. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, I said at the beginning, Sufi or not Sufi? That did is the indeed. question. And this, and this is, is where this comes into play now. Correct. Okay. So slipped off ephemeral epiphysis uh, is a diagnosis that usually happens um, kind of at the beginning or just before puberty. Uh, more common in children who are overweight. Uh, family history. Uh, and it is literally... Uh, where the upper femoral epiphysis slips off, okay, uh, causes significant pain, limp, uh, and can be progressive. Uh, unilateral in most cases, but uh, there is a predisposition to the other side going as well. Mm -hmm. And again, this needs uh, orthopedic intervention. Yeah. So it's important that we don't miss it and can be picked up easily with a plain radiograph. It's important when you do the radiograph, you ask for an AP and a frog leg lateral. Okay. Frog leg lateral. Yeah. Okay. And is that getting the child to do frog legs, basically? Correct. Imagine Excellent. what frog's leg look like. That's exactly what the child needs to do. It just makes the physis that easier to see, and so you'll notice slight slips a little bit easier. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and there doesn't always necessarily have to be a sudden moment of trauma in these cases either, does there? No, there doesn't, not at all. Um, this is just something that can just happen. Trauma can bring it on, um, but actually most cases probably aren't related to trauma. Cool, cool. Okay. Anything else for this age group? Um, so this is the age group where you're getting into those teenage years where you might have uh, children who are becoming particularly good at sporting events. So you get some overuse syndromes quite commonly in this group. Um, so it's important to understand what they're doing. We commonly see children who are doing between 20 and 40 hours a week of significant exercise. And actually, their body's still growing. This can be a real challenge for, for them. You're putting it under a huge amount of stress and so pain associated with that. Yeah. Uh, is a problem uh, and then um, as you go into puberty you reach a second peak uh, of increased risk of oncological conditions i.e. your body's going through another growth spurt so osteosarcomas in the teenage years are quite com are more common than at other times yeah even if they are rare overall sure so it's important to think about the associated symptoms sure um, and so just think so Shall we just touch on like Osgood Schlatter disease? Yeah. Uh, so um, that's one of these overuse sort of uh, conditions, isn't it? Yeah. Overuse conditions, especially conditions that involve putting huge amounts of strain through the knees. Mm. So things that involve a lot of jumping. So basketball is a perfect example of that, where you're putting huge strains through there. Uh, and then uh, unfortunately it just pulls on uh, your proximal tibia, so your tibial tuberosity, uh, and starts to cause multiple changes within there which are incredibly painful and the treatment is rest mm -hmm. despite anything else and I know children don't want to do it and if they're very good at sports sometimes their parents don't want them to stop doing mm -hmm. it however uh, it will only progress if they continue and that's a self-limiting disease uh, condition Correct. isn't it it's not, yeah so um, so once the once their growth plates have completely fused um, 
the symptoms will largely resolve. Cool. Uh, and can we touch on um, juvenile idiopathic arthritis as well? We can indeed. Um, so, you know, this is um, something I remember from, from paediatrics at, at, at medical school, something to always keep in the back of my mind as yep. an important cause here. Um, so, what's going to make us think about whether our, our patient's got juvenile idiopathic arthritis or JIA? So I think the first thing is the, uh, the history. So the history in order to make a diagnosis of JIA requires a prolonged period uh, of joint swelling and joint pain. Uh, you've often got the redness and heat associated with it in a similar fashion to septic arthritis. So first presentation might be uh, septic arthritis may well be considered. Uh, and then depending on the type of JIA in terms of whether it's single joint or multi-joint, other joint involvement could be a presence. Sure. But I think it's the ongoing presence of symptoms. So sure. settles down, recurs, settles down, recurs. Um, you need a very long history of joint swelling. It I says think it's six, six weeks, weeks here. Yeah. This is for longer than six weeks. So yeah. you may have sent the patient away yeah. with safety netting and they may be back. Yeah. Or they may have seen you and go to the GP, GP but they've got exactly. that history, haven't so they? So that prolonged history <coughs> leads to the presence of investigations. Cool. Cool. Uh, family history is another one. Um, so this does run in families. Cool. Uh, and so it's worth uh, investigating and we're right in thinking that there may be other conditions along with it so like uveitis yep. maybe very eczema much so. or other things like that the yep. so sort of things going skin, on skin eyes uh, mucosal changes you need to consider them all much like uh, in rheumatological conditions yeah. of adulthood as well yeah well, I'm guessing because it says idiopathic we're not quite sure why it happens absolutely so um, the rheumatologist will do a whole raft of um, <laughs> blood tests to try and yeah. work out uh, what markers are positive. Cool. Uh, excellent. And um, I suppose hopefully rare in modern society, but you've got to think about potential things like rickets, uh, things yeah. like that potentially. So hopefully with the weather as it's been, Jamie, mm -hmm. uh, people have been out in out. the yep. sunshine. Yeah. Um, but certainly it exists uh, and it is out there uh, and vitamin D in certain uh, populations is more common. Um, so those who get less exposure to sunlight, those with dark skin uh, find it harder to photosynthesize, especially in the UK where normally there isn't very much sun. Nope. Um, and so uh, the classical pictures that you think of from the textbooks of bow legs uh, associated with pain uh, in a yeah. child who may or may not be mal malnutritioned. Cool. Uh, and just flicking through again, so that I mean, we've already touched on sickle cell disease. Uh, that meant that causes avascular necrosis of, of the hip, so that that would be one cause. Yeah. Um, and um, obviously, if uh, the child um, has a um, if a child has sickle cell disease, they are at risk of, other, of complications such as stroke. So we need to be aware of of that as well, don't we? Yeah. Marvelous. Uh, anything else from our child? with a limp point of view? Only uh, coming away from thinking it could be a hip or a knee and just thinking, making sure that there is no lower abdominal pain or testicular pain. Uh -huh. Okay, so just because they're limping doesn't mean it's because their legs hurt. So mm. don't forget about that and make sure you consider it, ask about it mm. and complete a full examination. Sure, good, um, good. Think of that strange uh, walk as well if you have appendicitis don't you where exactly. you don't want to move the leg too much exactly. uh, and uh, I remember a classic diagram of the young person holding that area and then not flexing the the um, 
the ipsilateral leg. So yep. that would be another thing, mate, potentially. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Got to yeah. think outside the box all the time. Well, if you don't ask about it, you don't get the right information. Yeah. And, and you mentioned testicles. Is the young person embarrassed and not exactly. wanting to say anything and actually exactly. maybe the first one, the only one to raise it and exactly. actually, do you know what? Yes, it is. Um, mm. You've got a torsion or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Marvellous. Um, brilliant. The guidelines do mention sort of discitis. Is that something you've ever seen in kids? Um, so I think I've seen one child with discitis and I think, you know, that goes to examine the joint above and below. Yeah. So if you think it, if you're thinking it's the hip, make sure you do examine the lumbar spine and complete an examination. That goes for every patient mm -hmm. uh, when, when examining a joint uh, to pick it up. It's very rare in children, I must mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. um, but like everything, it does happen. Mm. So think about it, but maybe don't make it the top of your differential list. Cool. Um, and so I think just before we wrap up, should we just touch a little bit on the investigations when you mm. would choose to do bloods when you would choose to do imaging in in these age groups yeah. uh, so because you don't want to stab every kid and you don't want no. to x-ray every 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 kid very so, much so so when would you be choosing to do bloods so i think bloods um for red flags okay so, so your night like, sweats your weight loss yeah, yeah your weight loss yeah significant high temperatures significant reduced range of movement um waking at night, all of those kind of red flag symptoms we already talked about. Um, the other one would be prolonged symptoms. So if you've got symptoms for longer than two weeks, yep. uh, it's probably worth thinking about. And obviously cool. if they had uh, any other underlying conditions that would make you more worried, are they immunocompromised? Yeah. Um, or um, is there a history of sickle cell? Then that changes things. Um, cool. If you've got a clear diagnosis, so if it's clearly short history, recent viral illness, now afebrile, limping but not too bad, got better with simple analgesia, then I think transient synovitis is your most likely diagnosis in the under 10s. So I think you can make that comfortably and not worry about it. Cool. Uh, if you think they um, have an unclear diagnosis um, and they um, have no red flags but have been febrile in the last uh, 24 hours or you're concerned about that then some simple blood tests might be able to help uh, reduce uh, guide uh, your risk profile towards Sweet. whether you think it's septic arthritis cool. and if there's any doubt um, and you think it could be perphase or Sufi then uh, an AP of the pelvis and in terms of Sufi a frog leg lateral as well. So those, those are two real conditions where you would only consider x-raying then I think if you're thinking perphase or, um, yeah. or uh, Sufi. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and do we ever tap? Do we ever take off any effusion off? We do not. Um, uh, if we're concerned, we do the uh, baseline investigations, speak to the orthopaedic surgeons, and they can consider that. It's always a challenge um, because it's often talking about very small amounts of fluid in a small joint. Yeah. Um, and so it's probably. So you need less effusion as a kid than to, uh, you would yeah. as an adult to create symptoms. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so it's a more challenging thing. Um, I think about 50% of blood cultures are positive in septic arthritis. Um, so worth cool. ensuring you get a, a good blood culture, which can cool. be a challenge in paediatrics. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, uh, consideration to further imaging. So uh, MRI, I would imagine, is the gold standard for the orthopaedic surgeons um, but in the right hands I'm sure an ultrasound could be very useful but as always ultrasound is user dependent so you would always just refer to the our orthopaedic colleagues in these I would then, I think you? yeah refer to the experts marvellous thank you so much Colin thank you congratulations on the parenting the consultancy and the Twitter thank you very much <laughs> uh, look forward to um, using Twitter's 
in the in another year. <laughs> Thank you, Colin. That was the Child with a Limp podcast. As ever, you can find the blog entry and track visually for this episode at takeorally.com. Don't forget you can subscribe to Take Orally on both SoundCloud and iTunes. And uh, for more information about research and educational opportunities in emergency medicine, acute medicine and major trauma, you can find NUH Dream on both Facebook and Twitter. Take Orally is also available on both Facebook and Twitter.